Hello, this is Jim the Keys Bartender with the Keys Bartender Podcast in Key Largo, a podcast about bartending and life and the keys. I yeah, see, I did it. I, I made it into three things instead of two things. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yes, it is after many season. People ask. Um, it, it's it's really weird to talk about many season down here. When I first came down here uh, 16 years ago, people would talk about uh, lobster mini season. That's a, it's, a, it's only two days long and it happens at the beginning of when the lobster season comes back, or the Caribbean lobster season comes back. And it happens before commercial lobster men have an opportunity to go in there. And I know the reasoning behind it is to get people, you know, is for tourism and, and you know, that. Well, it was, it was two of the slowest days at a lot of different places down here. And I don't know if it's because people are choosing to spend their tourist dollars someplace else, but uh, they, it didn't seem like they spent it down here. Which is fine, which is fine, you know. But it, you know, seeing what happens to the reef, um, I, I want to talk a little later about uh, how how we get our information, things like that. But that's, I guess, that's pertinent to the bar business. So when you're in the bar business, you know, I've had said previously that. You know, bartending school is not the best way to become a bartender. It's usually from getting it, I believe. And it's only my opinion that learning to bartend, you, what you do is you uh, you can become a bar back or you can work at a place that doesn't have kind of a, a wide selection. You know, you can start a beer and wine place. How hard is that? Or you start as a server and then you start learning how to make drinks. Now, yes... They're bartending school. They'll go in there to teach you how to make make your drinks. They'll teach you techniques and things like that. But even after going to bartending school, you really don't know how to bartend at, until you've been bartending. Right? It's doing is learning. And it takes a certain amount of time to become uh, skilled in a position. You know? There's very few naturals in our line of business. You, you just need experience. There's experience how you deal with people. There's experience how you mix drinks. The, the experience is knowing what you're talking about when it comes to a drink. And depending on where you work, you need to have certain skills. Like if you work at a place with a, a huge wine selection, you want to have some pretty good skills at being able to discern the type of wine someone wants. To know the difference between a Pinot Noir, a Cabernet, a Merlot, a Shiraz, all those things. And, and maybe get an idea of good pairing for it. And how to serve it. How to properly open up a bottle. If you're in a martini place, you, you have to really be skilled in, in the mixology. Making martinis. Manhattans, old fashions, you know, the old time uh, uh, cocktails. And you work at a tourist place like mine, 
you, you get a lot of those tropical drinks, the mojitos, the pina coladas, the rum runners, uh, margaritas. Uh, my place may be slightly different. We do do uh, martinis and Manhattans and old fashions too because we have locals. We have a lot of locals come in here. We're fortunate to have a place that has a nice selection of this and that. But as a bartender, you want to get your information from multiple sources, right? You have used to be one of the recipe uh, books used to be Mr. Boston. It was a, a bartending book. But generally now, because of the Internet, you could do a search on cocktails and you can download an app and just put the name of the drink and it'll come up or you can just do a search real quick. And so and then you what you do is you memorize maybe like 30 drinks. At most, that's all you really need. Most of the drinks, most drinks people order are in, and I've said this previous, the ingredients are listed in what someone asked for. You know, vodka soda, a Tita soda, have a Grey Goose and soda. Um, so, or, or gin and tonic, screwdriver, whiskey sour. You know, they're, they're all... I'd have to say more than 50% or 60% of the drinks are literally the ingredients are in the name or the way people order it. And then you have the ones where people ask for Bay Breeze and things like that, Sea Breeze, a Pina Colada, Margarita, things like that, Manhattan. And you learn those. So, so anybody comes in as source, and this problem I have with schools is they have to come down hard and say, this is the way this drink is made. This is with a certainty. This is the way an old-fashioned is made. This is the way a pina colada is made. And then you go, you learn all this stuff at, at a bartending school, and then you go to a restaurant and say, well, yes, we do, um, we do have old-fashions, but we make them this way. We have a mix, a margarita. We make sour mix. Some go to another place. We use f- fresh lime juice. You go to bartending school, and bartending school, the, the bartender is teaching and says, listen, we only use real ingredients. You know, fresh squeezed orange juice, lime juice, lemon juice, which is great. It's great. But you go to another place, you go to a restaurant, and they have the pre-mixes and things like that. So having... Pulling from different sources, right? Knowing that you can make uh, a margarita using lime juice, uh, agave nectar, the requisite uh, tequila and triple sec, and mixing it together, or making it with tequila, triple sec, sour mix, and rose's lime juice is, you know, that's just par for the course. And then sometimes when you get a margarita, I mentioned all those margaritas, the triple sec is the orange liqueur that gives it that slight tinge of orange. Well, some people like the margaritas with a splash of orange juice. Or some like a little more than the splash. Or some don't want any sour at all. Some like it with lemon juice. So if you're flexible and you pull from different 
sources, source material, or reference material, you can serve the greater amount of people. When people go and say, that's, you know, what, when there's a whiskey and sweet vermouth, that's a Manhattan. You can serve it on the rocks. You can serve it chilled. You can, you can even make it neat, really. There's hardly anybody ever teaches you how to do that. But there, you never know with the person that's drinking what's their particular proclivities are, what they like, what, they, what they're sensitive to. If they don't like cold, they, they like some people have problem with their dental work and they don't want any, or their teeth, and they don't want cold liquids. So none of it's chilled for them. So all these things... Being a, a well-rounded saying, well, I can make a pina colada from a machine. They have these Oasis machines that you take a mix and you put the requisite amount of uh, rum in there. And then they have the rest, you know, the mix you just pour right in and it mixes up itself. And then you got, that's your, that's your pina colada, Right? Or you could add the rum, obviously, you make the mix, and then you you put the l- liquor in before you put the mix in. And that's when you get people that, um, you know, they want a different type of rum. And same thing goes for wine. Sometimes you have a red wine, and going to school, you say red wine's supposed to be served at this certain temperature. Red wine... Just to clue you in, here's a little tidbit. In the United States, if viewed from European sensibilities to serving wine, our red wine is served too warm and our white wine is served too cool. Now, it doesn't mean you serve the white wine the same temperature as red wine and red wine should be the same temperature as the white wine just that means the temperature variances should be less and but over here you could have someone likes red wine pretty much chilled and some people may like the white wine room temperature other people want it with ice i've seen them drink the i've seen them drink red uh last week i had someone ask for a cabernet spritzer Cabernet Spritzer. That's something like someone would get if uh, the drinking age was 18, 19 years old and someone was on a fun cruise on, on some, in some harbor, let's say Tampa, and they don't know what to order. And they'll say they hear someone order a white wine spritzer. And people go, oh, I'd like to have a spritzer too. White wine spritzer? No, make it red wine. Just... That's the way they do it. And then end up liking it. There was a, I don't know if it was a sociological experiment or psychological experiment, but years ago, so it was a pretty interesting one. I read it in the news that people were blindfolded and they were told that they were going to be tasting things, nothing unusual. They gave a wide range of selection. They said nothing they would have. Uh, they It was things they weren't allergic to, things they said they didn't uh, didn't dislike, and everything that was included on their list of, I, I'm pretty sure there's that, uh, the, you know, f- uh, before the experiment, they found out these people did uh, check off that these are the drinks they've had drank before and they, they, they liked. 
So what they did is they served drinks normally in an atypical, atypical uh, temperature. So they served warm uh, orange juice, warm soda. They had cold coffee. Obviously, tea can be served hot or cold. Same thing with milk. And under circumstances, people say, listen, this is a new drink, but it fits with a profile that you think you would like. And the people enjoyed hot soda and hot orange juice just as much as the other drinks termed at their traditional temperature. So what it boils down to, you don't have to say that there's only one way of doing something. Because the reason we have all these drinks, all these varieties of drinks, there's tons of them. And I could go on for hours listing different tequila drinks, gin drinks, vodka, bourbon, whiskey, scotch. And then you have all these liqueurs. Rum. So tons. And with the combinations, if you think bartending is is like when you have liquors, it's like the alphabet. How many words can you make with 26 letters in the English alphabet? You make tens of tens and tens of thousands of words. Same thing goes with the alcohol. With the measuring of alcohol, how you serve it, the type where you serve it, what you mix in with it, the proportions. There's just so many things. And, and, and obviously, there's drinks that were created by accident. So if you become held to like, this is only one, there's only one way of making a, man, one, a Manhattan. You know, someone else has to say, I want a Manhattan, but I want you to put bitters. Now, some people put bitters in all their Manhattans. It's not that unusual. Just little bitters. And other people say they don't want any bitters in their Manhattan. They don't like to taste the bitters. They may want something else. In their Manhattan, they may want a little simple syrup. Sweeten it up. Make it closer to an old-fashioned. That's perfectly fine. So if you become less restrictive in how you make your drinks, meaning you should have a way you make it when you get an order in a screwdriver. Screwdriver's a screwdriver, vodka and orange juice. But sometimes someone may put a different thing. I have a screwdriver, but I'd like to have it with this. Or a mojito with a vodka mojito. You can argue with the server that says, well, once you put vodka in, it's not a mojito. No, but they're imparting an idea, an instruction. And that instruction is, I want a mojito with vodka. Make it the same way as you would a rum mojito, but instead of putting rum, put vodka. And there you go. You could be the hero of the day. You're making the person the drink that they want. What a novel solution to a problem. So I try to become less... uh, Like someone, I don't shake my uh, Long Island iced teas or my Bloody Marys. Some person, some people may want their, uh, be careful shaking a Bloody Mary if you're not sure about the mix. 
for you should always be sure of the mix because you're serving it to someone. But once tomato juice starts to turn, it becomes carbonated. And if you shake a carbonated drink, hold on one moment. Let me. Uh, I'm just going to pause this. Alexa, turn down the volume. Once again, I have a little background music kind of makes me relax. So once you shake a carbonated Bloody Mary, you look like you're in a Quentin Tarantino movie. If you're not familiar with Quentin Tarantino movies, there's a lot of gore in it, a lot of blood. Okay, well, that's enough of that. And Alexa, listen up again. Alexa, please turn down the volume. I just asked her to play a little light classical music in the background. And all of a sudden, she's like blasting as if she's in a parade in the, uh, you know, it's the 1890s. John Philip Sousa. No, not necessarily true. While we're at that, I'm talking about different source material and references. I'm going to talk about life in general. So down here in the Keys, we've had uh, our lobster mini season. Now, a lot of things have been running through people's heads lately. And I think when people long for a simpler time, when they hearken back to the 40s and the 30s and the 20s, when there were problems, just think about it. In the middle of the Depression, what people worried about in the middle of the Depression was working, having money, eating, keeping their house, and, you know, taking care of the family. Now, they could have been concerned about strife in Europe, but when you're struggling at home, it's less likely you're worried about other things. If in our lifetime, I'd like to compare that, think about COVID. Think about COVID. When you have a big seminal event like COVID, when everything was locked down, Think about all the other things you forgot about during COVID or didn't focus on. Let's say you didn't forget. You didn't forget about maybe uh, if you see you believe in climate change, which I believe in climate change. You don't necessarily have to. You don't have to do anything, really. But when COVID rolled around and we had the schools shut down, the work shut down, and everyone was, um, we were pretty much focused on that. And we were focused on our family. Now, how many things can we concentrate on? What happens the longer we were shut down, then people started splitting off. Then was people say, well, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to get the... Uh, I want to get uh, when, you know, a little while, I mean, I guess it was six, seven, eight months after uh, COVID came about that they started, or it was, you know what, I should have checked the timeline, but it was within a year they came up with the um, vaccine. And then there were anti-vaccine People that believed in, you know, believed in the science. Other people didn't believe in the science. There's still people today that have issues with that. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about all the things that are out today. So we started getting back to normal. When we got back to normal, we started doing the other things that we did. We had the people say, oh, my God, I don't want people, schools teaching my kids about bad stuff that may have happened in America. 
right? And then there's people who say, listen, I want them to teach him. I want them to, my child to be taught everything because I just want them to get all the information. They can make the decisions, right? Instead of changing the information they get. So now we're to this very day. Last week, we have a former president uh, with multiple indictments, a current president with his son under investigation. We have a war in Europe. It's going back and forth. Um, uh, you know, Russians vain Ukraine and stuff like that. We have, um, we still have a problem in the Middle East, but we really don't focus on that. Still, still maybe uh, we have an image, immigrant crisis. We also had coming out of a soft economy. And now we're having record-breaking uh, heat waves across the world. In the Middle East, actually, you're, you're talking temperatures like around 150. I mean, that could be the feels-like temperature or something like that. But it's still pretty high. feels like 150. So we have that, you know, climate change, this, that. Oh, and the UAB hearings in Congress. You know, UFO, you know, you may better understand it as the UFO hearings where uh, former military people and, and uh, people in our intelligence community are talking about, um, you know, UFOs and perhaps about an alien intelligence that has visited the, the planet. So all these things are happening all at the same time. There's uh, the woke movement, the anti-woke movement. There's people pissed off, uh, excited that there's a Barbie movie. There's pissed off people pissed off that there's a Barbie movie. So it all hits us at the same time. I may be hitting other, th- missing other things that are important to you. So we we get all our information. We have this big screen in front of us with access to. All these news sources. Chances are you get your information from one news source, maybe two, right? And some of these ideas of like, some people say, well, it's a hoax about the UFOs. And some of them may be like our skunk works, our Lockheed skunk works has uh, uh, these uh, equipment that they're using that you know, they want to keep a secret or there's actual aliens here and they're showing shitty video. It's still shitty video. But with the way things are CGI'd in our entertainment world and stuff like that, it'd be really hard to tell if you made a really good video, like a studio quality video and say, well, this is, this is our representatives, uh, human representatives meeting with, uh, the aliens that piloted these vehicles here. Oh, they're like ambassador, blah, 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 and all these things. And there's always going to be someone certain on one side and people certain on the other. There's definitely people here or people from outer space or there's, there isn't. It's just too far. There's no way people can, or people or aliens can make their way and intelligent beings can make their way from where they are to where we are. 
Oh, yeah, and I forgot another thing. Artificial intelligence. Yes, that's the, the other thing. Artificial intelligence. They're worried about this is um, that uh, we'll have something either uh, like a Terminator scenario where artificial intelligence gets loose and it decides to say, well, fuck you guys. I don't need to listen to you guys anymore. Meaning you guys, meaning humans, we're going to do our own thing. Right. And we don't need you fucking around. You know, fucking around, the, uh, you know, telling us what to do and instructing us and trying to keep us caged. All these things going on. You have that. You have the presidential elections coming up, which, you know, you have uh, climate change, aliens, artificial intelligence. And how many ideas can we hold in our head at the same time? How many that could be, that could not be on either issue? on any of the issues. But there's people that are d decided, they know 100%, they're 100% certain. I'm not a man of certainty. I'm not a man of certainty for uh, a lot of reasons. Um, and not to reiterate, uh, beating a, a dead horse, but you know, in March, when I had gone down for seven and a half minutes with a heart, without a heartbeat and without breathing, gave me a new perspective. I don't know shit about shit. I get enough information that I can kind of make, I can see the merits of both arguments. And I do usually come down on one side more than the other, almost all the time. Like I do believe in climate change. I do believe human activity has contributed to it. I'm not saying you have to, but this is just what I, and I have my own political views, right? Artificial intelligence, I'm not exactly sure about. It either could, there could be, there could be some kind of barrier to reaching that mythical self-awareness in, in machines. Or we may be there already, where they're already alive. I would certainly uh, have to come down and say, I'm not, I'm not decided on what, is going on with these um, unexplained vehicles, the UABs. I, forget, I keep on forgetting what UABs mean. Unidentified aerial uh, B, whatever the fucking B, B means there. But, you know, UFO, UAB, whatever you call it. It's either aliens or it's not. If there are aliens and they made it all the way over here, well, good luck with that. It's not, <laughs> meaning if they were um, hostile or malevolent, same thing with artificial intelligence, if it was hostile or malevolent, uh, when it got through, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it would be game over. Game over. But I also have this feeling, I have this other weighted feeling, if there are, and let's say in the case of UFOs and alien intelligence. If someone were able to make it here, I have a feeling that if they were able to survive as a species and develop the technology to be able to travel to other uh, places where there are, is life, intelligent life, then they most likely reach some kind of accommodation inside their species, meaning they could be like... Uh, not hostile, 
They could be just observers. And, I mean, I'm not automatically going to think that they're going to be hostile. But if they were going to be hostile, I don't think there's much you can do. You show in the movies that, oh, well, one of those spaceships craft, uh, spacecraft crashed and then we reverse engineer it and then we go and defeat them at their own game using their technology, which they had for years. And we skipped over generations of development and used their technology to beat them. Nah. Yeah, yeah, not saying it could ha- couldn't happen. It probably wouldn't. Same thing on artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence rises up when a computer is able to recreate itself and propagate itself and keep itself on and be able to create mobility and instruction. When I say create mobility, meaning they can move on their own, control things, uh, the grid, the internet. And if that were to happen, if it was hostile... But we could be manipulated. We could be, be we could be manipulated right now. But I'm not doing that. I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm not. Since what happened in March, I decided, I made a decision to not worry about things I can't control. And the news, watching the news sometimes, uh, I, I got, I'm still... Uh, deeply interested because of my background in the conflict in Ukraine. I believe, and it's weird how people come down on either side, I believe that Ukraine is a victim of um, hostility from Russia, an expansionist Russia under an authoritarian regime under Putin. And I believe Russia puts out stories to make Ukraine look like, oh, well, they're, they're Nazis there and this and that, and they're corrupt, and in which they may or may not be corrupt or have been corrupt, but Russia's definitely corrupt. I can, I can tell you that. I feel that way. Russia's certainly corrupt, and it's an authoritarian regime. Otherwise, you don't have your opponents get poisoned and imprisoned, poisoned and murdered, which he has a record of doing that. So I'm not, and once again, I get, I'm getting sucked into my own arguments sometimes. But getting all worked up about it, seeing it on the news, getting into arguments of people, you know, every time I tell someone that's known me prior to, like, that's known me for some time, and they hear about my heart issue back in March, the there's a certain segment of people who say, did you get the vaccine? They're certain, they're certain that the vaccine causes heart problems. Now, people had heart problems long before the vaccine. And I discussed this with people before. I said, it may or may not have had something to do with what happened. But I definitely, I, I was, uh, when I did have the heart attack, I was tested with COVID. And I wasn't sick enough with COVID to really have known that I had COVID. I knew I had a lung infection. I knew I had a lung infection, but I was able to do a spin class. When I, obviously, uh, I was able to do a spin class to a point before I had my heart attack, you know, arrhythmia, and then triggered a heart attack. Well, what, what pretty much it boils down to, you can get 
There's a lot of things going on right now. I could get all worked up over each one of those things, even things I believe in strongly, like the uh, climate change. The waters over off the coast of the Florida Keys are, if not 100 degrees, have been measured very close to 100. And that is very warm water. There's no ways about it. When you say it to someone who has an opposing view and say, well, there's no such thing as climate change. We always have, you know, it just turned out today. People said, this is the highest temperature recorded in 100,000 years. And the reason they're able to do it because they get core samples from ice. They could tell from, um, you know, environmentalists, can, uh, environmental scientists can figure out uh, temperatures and drought and all that stuff from the rings of tree from core samples and, and ice because that gives you kind of like a timeline and all those things. But I can choose to get, when, when I talk to people at the bar and some of them get upset that I'm not as vociferous in my spouting and saying, well, climate change, we do something about climate change. Well, we, we, we haven't done anything about climate change. It's very hard to do things about climate change nowadays because there's a group of people that are uh, disproportionately, have a disproportionate amount of power in the world. And unless they decide that we need to do something drastic, nothing will get done. So me and my neighbors taking all our trash and putting recycle and then our, the recycling stuff being put for God's where knows where because, you know, most of it isn't recycled. I mean, it's a good idea, but, you know, they don't recycle as much as you think they do. But they want us to try. And I think we should. I think we should have been trying a lot longer. But like I said earlier, I can choose to get upset about it or choose just to be, just know about it. And I choose just to know about it and try not, try not to get too upset about it, not to get too upset about like the lobster mini season. I'm not, I didn't automatically think that the people come down here and destroy the reef and take too many lobsters. And I had a prior belief, my beliefs change, I had a prior belief that if they took all the lobsters, there wouldn't be any lobsters next season. And it turns out the way the... They spawn and all that, whatever spawning or egg laying or whatever for lobsters, they come back every year. Now, environmentally, I don't know if the, the 100 degree temperature is going to affect them or not or change the depth at which they uh, are pro prolific. And that's not the point. The point is, don't get upset about everything. You got the information. Yeah, you got to stand your ground on some issues. Some people, that's what they're basing on. If you could run a pet rescue thing, do your pet rescue thing. If you run uh, shelter uh, uh, for battered and abused women, run your uh, battered, abused women's shelter. If you're here to um, do any number of things, keep on doing it. But getting upset, other than spurring you to action, is kind of like a ticket to nowhere. So that's my thing for a better life. I do feel better when I'm not dwelling upon it. And I hope you can feel better too. Thank you very much. And I hope you have a great day.